I just want to say, too, just a, a nice reminder that uh, we want to welcome those who are watching online. We're glad that you guys jump on and that you follow along and that you participate through this. Uh, it is such a good thing. And along with that, we do our Facebook Live, and then we also are on YouTube. And I don't know, because I'm addicted to YouTube, so I'll just be honest with you. I'm working through it, you know, but anyway. Uh, but uh, you can subscribe to our YouTube channel. I don't even know, you know. I'm going to, you know, we're on to, you know, we're look, we're, our goal is to get that, that silver YouTube. No, I'm joking. It's not at all. But anyway, whatever. I don't even know. I'm mumbling right now. But then also we have a podcast channel as well that you can find everywhere, right, Eric? You can find it everywhere, wherever you get your podcast. So if you would miss a Sunday or if you want to go back and be like, did Alex really say that? You're going to go back and, you know, make a little TikTok out of it. I don't know. But anyway, so uh, but this is a way just so you can follow along and see what's going on in the life of the church and also just go deeper into uh, what we're talking about here. Uh, this month we are looking at the book of Ezra, which often goes with the book of Nehemiah, but I'm really just focusing on the book of Ezra through this. And uh, we're, we're talking about what it means to belong. Last week we talked about there's hope in belonging, that the kingdom of God is this beautiful thing and that we can find hope when we know that we belong to the family of God. That is a beautiful, beautiful thing. Today, what I, we're going to look at is how we can have trust in belonging. And, and even more specifically, how we can rebuild trust in belonging. As we see in the book of Ezra, what we're going to look at today. Uh, in your life, have you ever had that moment of rejection? Like a rejection, like you are trying to be part of an organization, or you're trying to apply for a new job, or maybe you're even looking for some of you like a grant to get something done, and you get that letter in the mail, Right? And, and you open it up, and maybe this is flashbacks to getting into college or getting into a certain program in a college, and you get that letter, and you open it up, and it says, at this moment, we do not feel like you are the right candidate. You're the right person for, the, the, for this time. Uh, in my life, uh, recently, uh, maybe a few years back, I applied for a, a pastoral program. It was a last-minute decision. See, I'm already making excuses. It was a last-minute decision. Maybe I didn't do it as clear as I should have done it, but I got that kind of a letter in the mail where it's like, at this moment, you're not the right person for the job or whatever to be part of this uh, pastoral cohort or something. And I was like, oh! And even though in my head, I prepare myself not to receive it or to get in. In my head, rejection still hurts, right? Can we all, can we all agree on this? Rejection hurts. Just raise your, unless you're not, and then we'll, talk, we'll go a different way with you. But rejection is not fun, right? It's not fun. And like instantly I was like, oh, Krista, they, they don't know what they're missing out on. I would have brought so much to the table. You know, like all those things that like start building up in us, you know, and then like, oh, they don't even know what they're doing over there. But, you know, even though, you know, 24 hours before that, I was like, this is the best thing. I need to be part of it. But rejection hurts. And rejection hurts because I believe that God created us in a way to have a welcoming spirit. And he also created us a way where he's always trying to get us to understand that we belong, that we are his children. So in life, we may be trying to belong in certain areas, in certain pockets, because we know we have that natural instinct in us. But really what we need to get to and sort of break away from seeing that these other pockets are where they're beautiful things to belong to. I'm glad right now that I am part of that belonging of the St. Louis Cardinals as we're getting into the, yeah, anyway, as we're getting into the playoffs, hopefully. But like, but then there's this greater belonging. And that's the belonging that we're looking at today. 
That's the belonging that we're looking at throughout this month. And we can see it in these glimpses of the book of Ezra, which is a cool thing. Um, where we can begin to see Jesus truly at work, I really believe this, is that in his teachings and in his life, he is always drawing people in. I really love this about Jesus. I love that Jesus can walk into the room and he can talk to the, the highly analytical, intelligent person and then walk over here and talk to the person who, uh, it's similar to me, can't, talk, can't make sense of sentences at times, right? He can talk to anybody in a room. He can go and he can talk to kings and then he can go and talk to the, the, the homeless man on the street. That's Jesus. He is constantly looking at it. And we see this throughout scriptures. We see that he goes, and it's really interesting in this capacity, I think, is the one place that he really struggles, that really struggles to allow for him to come in is the religious authorities. It's actually the one place where Jesus should belong, in the temple. He's God. And yet it is the place that pushes him out. And this is the trick here, is that those who should have been welcoming to him, hands down, easily, have begun to realize and create in their own lives the truth that they wanted to believe instead of the truth that Jesus is the Son of God. So in our minds right now, and in our life right now, this is the hard part, is figuring out what is truth. Figuring out what is truth and where we belong. Now, truth has been a word that we have seen thrown around a lot recently. This is truth. This is truth. This is the right thing. This is the wrong thing. This is the, and, and we're seeing that often, in our culture today, that truth is built upon personal opinion. Personal opinion. And we can buy into people's personal opinions and we can like them and we can, we can, we can find ourselves in that. But there's this reality that there is a greater truth. And that is God. And we have to begin to learn in and lean into that. And we have to be wary and make sure that we don't fall into the false accusations. And so this is where we get to our scripture today. Today, our scripture may, would have landed on a chatter page. Isn't this really cool? I'm so excited. This may have been one of the first hate mails ever, ever written. All right? All right, here we go. Aren't you excited? But it's crazy. It's in the Bible. So the people of God were in exile. Last week, we talked about that exile is not the end of our stories. And, 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 and all of a sudden, the people of God come back to Jerusalem. After 70 years of being kicked out, they need to come back. All right, and they're really excited. And they come back and they say, we're coming back and we're rebuilding the temple. Wow, yes. Who doesn't want to go back home and do manual labor? But that's what they're excited about. And so they come back and they're ready to rebuild this temple. And as they're rebuilding it, all of a sudden there are individuals who start opposing this taking place. Wow. They're like, oh my gosh, what if Jerusalem comes back? And, and, and they don't know what to do. So they put together a letter that is filled with false accusations of what could potentially happen if the temple is rebuilt. What? I was reading it this week, and I'm like, what? Oh, my gosh. Have we changed? You know, but anyway. But like, oh, so here is this letter, and I wanted to read it to you. It's in Esther, I'm sorry, Ezra 4, verses 12 through 16. And I'm just reading you sort of this. And this is literally, like, if you're looking at your Bibles, it is like letter, like, about false accusations to get the temple to stop being built. Like, this is a dialogue between, like, if any of you have ever had to do this, like, in your workout week, at your work, where you're, oh, great, 
Google review, crap, you know, and you have to go and respond, this is not true, da, 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 da. This is what's taking place, but this is the, uh, yeah, okay, here, here we go. This is the king. So this is them writing to try to stop the building of the temple. The king should know that the people who came up to us f- from you have gone to Jerusalem and are rebuilding that rebellious and wicked city. They are restoring the walls and repairing the foundations. Furthermore, the king should know that if this city is built and its walls are restored, no more taxes, tribute, or duty will be paid, and eventually the royal revenues will suffer. Now, since we are under obligation to the palace and, it's not, and it is not proper for us to see the king dishonored, we are sending this message to inform the king so that a search may be made in the archives of your predecessors. In these records, you will find that this city is a rebellious city, troublesome to the kings and providences, a place where a long history of sedition, that is, that is why this city was destroyed. We inform the king that if this city is built and its walls are restored, you will be left with nothing in trans-Euphrates. Isn't that awesome? That is literally like a trash email to try to destroy the rebuilding of the temple. And it worked. If you've ever felt that false accusations have gone against you, and you're like, and why is it that they work? Oh, and it drags you down in the mud. Or someone has said something about you. Oh my gosh, it's been going on for a long time. But it worked. The king then said, stop the rebuilding of the temple. The false accusations won. Truth was lost. In the sense of God's people coming back and rebuilding what they were told to do, rebuild the temple, rebuild and make God the foundation of your city and of your lives. This is a story about spiritual renewal. And in this moment, this false accusation stopped the spiritual renewal. In our lives, this takes place. We can be going, we can go to a camp, we can go to renewal, we can start going back to church, and then all of a sudden we can hit a wall because we start thinking in uh, in a way of, what is God doing here? Or why did the church act this way? And we can all of a sudden start putting false things in our minds, and we can just stop that spiritual renewal that takes place in our lives. It can pause us can harm us. We can feel that we are on the out instead of in the belonging. So we have to look at this and understand that God is going to work through this and allow for us to make sure that we don't fall into the false teachings and accusations of this day. That in our lives that we find ourselves desiring and rebuilding trust so that we can belong. It can be easy to slide out. And believe me, there are many people like the Beastie Boys trying to sabotage. You know, I want to sing that song for us. Hit it! Anyway, sabotage. Anyway, but like, anyway, they're trying to sabotage our faith. Sabotage our trust in the Lord. This is a dangerous moment to see how false accusations can stop the people of God from moving forward in what God has called them to do. So I want to look at this. I want to look at this and see that we can be a people that are belonging to a group that is fully saying we want to trust one another and we want to trust God. Simon Sinek, the author, he says this, a team is not a group of people that work together. A team is a group of people that trust each other. This is awesome. This is what you want in your workplace, right? 
This is what you want from your families, family groups. You want to trust each other. That's what you want. You want that as your heart. But the reality is also this is what needs to be the people of God. We be a people who trust one another. That we, we can lean into each other. And as we trust each other, we become a, a community that then learns to trust in God. This is what God desires from His followers, and this is what God desires from His church. One of my favorite passages of all time is found in the book of Proverbs, the great wisdom passage. But it's, trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. and all your ways submit to Him, and He will make your paths great. Also, on a side note, everybody, any Sixpence fans out there, remember those days? Their very first album, they sing a song about this. So anyway, but look that up later on Spotify. What a beautiful passage this is. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. I mean, in those moments where I feel like, what is going on? What is going on right now, Lord? Like, why is this happening? Why am I here on my knees? And I've been on my knees a lot, and I've been praying, and I want to see this. Why did this take place? I come to this passage. Trust in the Lord. Trust in the Lord. Lord, but you said this was going to happen this way. I felt like... Trust in the Lord. Why didn't I get that job? Why didn't I get that, that grant? Why didn't I get... Trust in the Lord. And we see this theme that begins to take place. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding. Then all your ways submit to Him and He will make your path straight. There's this, there's this order that has to take place, I believe, when we, when we really step fully into this. The first step is that trust. And if we trust in that, then we'll follow the path that God has made for us, which means that we have to be obedient people. All right? We have to be obedient to what God is calling us to be. And that can be tricky, right? Because I like to do what I like to do. But the reality is that God's plan for you is so much more beautiful than your plan for you. God is wanting you to walk in obedience with Him. So we go from trusting in God, and then we recognize that we have to then walk in obedience with God. And when we show our obedience to God, then we show the God who created us, like as we worship Jesus today, as we, we recognize Jesus in the small things and the big things, we then realize that our loyalty is with God and God alone. Now here's a way that I can, uh, I, I was, this is how my brain works, so I'm going to try to break this down for you. Uh, I would like to say a few years ago, but I've realized that it's probably been a, a decade or so ago, back when the Indianapolis Colts uh, won lots of games with that one quarterback named Peyton Manning. Oh my gosh, how many Peyton Manning fans are out there? Oh, remember those days? Those were such fun days. And when we, realized, when we remember when Peyton Manning came in, it wasn't so great. You know, we're just like, why is that guy with a really big head and a big helmet running around with big shoulder pads? And we're like, okay. But then really quickly, he started winning football games. And as he started winning football games, and as the Colts started going to the playoffs, we began to trust in Peyton Manning. Oh my gosh, we loved it. We trusted in him. And then how many of you went to a home Colts football game? And this is, you have to participate in this. A home, home Colts football game during the Peyton Manning era. How many of you? Yes. And when Peyton Manning had the football, were you allowed to talk? You weren't, were you? It was quiet in there. It was, it was quieter. I mean, it was quiet as church. And he'd get everybody quiet. If you sneezed, people would look at you. Like, what, what, is, what is wrong with you, right? And it was quiet in there. We began to obey what Peyton would tell us to do. He would tell you to be quiet. You got quiet. And then, right, he won Super Bowl. We'd go to another Super Bowl. 
stupid onside kicks. What's just um, un, very unfortunate. And so, and then we move on. But then, right, Peyton moves on to the Denver Broncos. Right? He moves on to the Denver Broncos. How many of you went out into your streets and burned a Peyton Man jersey after you found out he left? None of you did, right? None of you did. None of you did. How many of you, though, cheered for him as he was a Denver Bronco? A lot of us did. A lot of us did. We showed that our loyalty was in Peyton Manning. See, there's passion in that order. That's how it is supposed to be with God, as we are his people. We learn to trust in God. He does provide. Our God does provide. And as we trust in God, and we see him moving in our lives, then we have to then work into obeying and walking in his path. Listening to him. Making sure that we can do his will and not our own. And then, even though things may change in our lives, that's inevitable, we all will change. Even though things move around and things go upside down sometimes, even in those moments, we just don't go out onto the street and burn God's jersey. But we remain loyal. Because we are passionate followers of God. We are passionate followers of Jesus. Trust is the key. If you've been saying, but what about, I just don't know, there's, I don't want to, I don't know if I really want to live radically away from the culture for God. I don't know if I want to trust that life. Where is your passion? What is your passion in? Is it for Christ? To belong to the family of God, there is a change that takes place in us. And the cool thing is about this is that even though the temple stopped being built, it wasn't stopped for long. God's people snapped out of it. And they said it is time to get back to it. It is time to make God at the center of our city. It is time to allow for God to be what moves in us. To go where no one else desires us to go. To put these walls up and declare that we are spiritually renewed people and that we walk with Christ and Christ alone. Our loyalty is with God because our passion is God. Corey Ten Boom said this, Never be afraid to trust an unknown future to a known God. That unknown future can get us. But always be reminded that we know God and God knows you. I don't know what it is in, in your life right now where you need to rebuild trust in. There's probably pockets. There may be that coworker that you just want to like, oof, you know. There may be some issues in, in relationships or issues in raising kids. There may be some issues that just in regular life and just saying, God, where are you? But I want you to hear this. Even though you may not know what that future may be, God is present and God will be present to see it through. And I want you to know that you can belong into the family of God and in this place where you can belong, that you can begin to rebuild that trust to move into who God is calling you to become. Trust, obedience, loyalty. What is your passion? What are you passionate about right now? 
Jesus' doors are always wide open. And He's always inviting people in to say, come and follow Me. Allow for your life to be moved and changed in a powerful way. Today. Today, right now. Know that you can belong in a place where trust is a high value. If you think, I just don't know what I can trust these days, know that you can belong in a place where trust and truth is a high value. And that is the church. And that is following Jesus day in and day out. Would you pray with me? Oh God, Your love fills us in a way where we can find ourselves often maybe wondering, is this truth or is this false? <laughs> is this reality or is this, this some alternate universe, whatever? But Lord, in this right now, in this time right now that we are living, let us learn to allow for our hearts and our minds to fall into Your truth alone. We can be pulled away by so many things, just like the people in the book of Ezra. But Lord, help us to be pulled back into Your truth. Help us to rebuild and belong to something where truth is at a high, high value. So Lord, let us lay down those things right now that we're, we're concerned about. Maybe those, those things that we've realized we've gotten a little too passionate about and realize that that is not what we're supposed to be passionate about and realize the place where we are to belong the most is in Your kingdom. Oh, Holy Lord, You are the one who makes us new. You allow for us to experience Your grace. And because of this, we can have trust in You. That we can walk in obedience and that we can show our passion through our loyalty to who You are. And it is this that we celebrate. How good You are. You are good. And let us leave this place with joy in our lives. For we know that we have been made new. And let us go sharing this love with everybody around us. And letting our light shine in a way where it cannot be put out. And as we gather again next week, help us to take those steps in knowing you more and worshiping you with the joy of our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, so glad you guys are here this week. Next week we wrap up our Belonging series. I'm really excited about this. So turn to someone and say, you belong here. And then say, have a great week. See you next week. Go with Christ's love.